Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 64, Thursday, November 14th, 2019, and College Hoops is in full swing now. Today I sat down with Joe Rogers, my co-worker at Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News, to talk about some early impressions we have from the college basketball season and some teams that we're targeting to play uh, on and against in the betting market early on. So we'll jump into that right away, uh, and then I will close up with some thoughts on this week's college football and NFL cards, and then of course we will hear from the resident doggy juice pod degenerate, the Danimal, to hear who he likes this week. All right, let's dive right into today's interview. Doggy Juice Pod listeners, I am pleased to bring back a guest that has been on the pod a few times already. Uh, I guess you can call him a Doggy Juice Podcast staple by this point. Joe Rogers, senior writer and my coworker over at Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News. How's it going, Joe? Doing good. Loving college hoops right now. Oh, yeah. It's the, it's the best time of year. Although we were talking before this and it's just it's so hard to keep on top of everything right now. So like you almost got to punt unless you, you just want to completely sacrifice sleep. You have to punt something at the expense of something else. It's like, you know, college football versus college basketball versus NFL. You really got to pick your poison, especially if you want to you know, really get ahead of the marketplace. So it's a, you were telling me beforehand, you're kind of you're, you're doing a little more college hoops work this week instead of college football. Yeah, I've really cooled on college football. I, I think the only one I really liked was Oklahoma, but I've kind of cooled on that play as well. So, well, you said you got it at a good number. You got it nine and a half, right? Because it's up to ten and a half. So, yeah, yeah, nine and a half on uh, Monday, I think. So, so at least you got it. Got I got a good number. I'm seeing ten and a half right now. So, at least you're ahead of the market. I mean, we'll kind of we'll kind of touch on this, and people that are newer to sports betting will find out. Earlier in the season, the lines aren't as sharp as they are later in the season. So when we talk about college hoops later, you'll see a lot of line moves, a lot of uh, fishy things going on with the lines that it's because the market's softer with less data as it is later in the season. So college football right now, lines are pretty sharp unless something off the field's going on. So. But we'll, we'll talk about that later, so that's just something I wanted yeah. to mention. Yeah, as Joe said, we're, we're going to be touching on strictly college hoops here in this interview. But first, before we before we even move into that, you were just in Vegas last week. You had a nice little, uh, nice little I wouldn't say extended trip there, but you were there for a few days. And uh, you did a lot of cool stuff. You got to go behind the counter and everything. So I, I want to hear some about that. I'm sure the listeners are interested in hearing about that experience. Where, but first, where, where did you even stay when you were out there? Uh, we stayed at Mandalay Bay. My wife and I went. We actually went. We flew in on the weekend, did the whole Zion National Park, uh, Utah thing, Valley of Fire. Nice. So that was a little vacation. And then on Monday, stayed at Mandalay Bay, got into town. I mean, I've, talk, I've talked to a few um, odds makers or book bookmakers when I was in town, but it was during March Madness. So usually not a good time for them. Um, but I got in, got in town Monday morning, went to a few different places. Monday is usually one of the slower days. Guys are off Mondays and Tuesdays usually. So really nice just to 
make face face to face connections with these guys that I've really only talked to on the phone or on Twitter or text, you know? So, um, yeah, I think I talked to four or five guys on Monday. Um, U S bookmaking, which operates in New Mexico, uh, Robert Walker, Vic Salerno is a veteran, um, veteran bookmaker. And then went to CG technologies, uh, Dave Sharpin at the Palms, which is a really nice book, a little bit off the strip. Uh, he's a great guy. He's got his, got his own, uh, podcast he does with, uh, Motoy Pearson and, um, Alan Berg. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Berg's Caesar's, Caesar's odd maker. Yeah. Motoy's at, at Circa and they do their own podcast and it's, they're very genuine guys. So. It was really nice to chat with Dave, and, and then went over to the Superbook, Westgate, which is the mothership, as I like to call it. If you guys have ever been out to Vegas, take the time to go to the Westgate. It's it's a really cool experience, and I've built a relationship with with Ed Sammons, um, vice president of risk management. Always usually talk to him almost every week about NFL or college football, NASCAR. He's a really sharp guy. And you know, I got to sit behind the counter with him That's awesome. as they prepped for the Monday night game, which was uh, Cowboys giants. And I was sitting behind the counter and, you know, you see it's like literally right behind the sports book where some, some different war rooms are off, you know, in, in like a, an office building or underneath like Caesars up war room is underneath the Harris casino. So you're not really in the action as much. Like you can just walk out and, you know, you can hear people cheering in the background. It's pretty cool. And while, while sitting in there, they have a request for a double limit bet on the Browns minus two and a half. So that was really cool to see them talk it out. And it didn't take much for them to approve it. A veteran um, customer for them requested it. So Ed, Ed had really high praise for this guy. He kept saying, you know, this guy's such a good player. This guy's such a good player. And I think they needed the Browns at the end of the week. So it was a win-win for them. Helped shape the line real quick and even out the books. So right. it was a really cool experience. And then Tuesday had lunch with uh, Caesars, Rex Byers, and then went down to Circa downtown las vegas and never been to the downtown oh, fremont street so yeah it's, it's probably my new my new uh favorite place it's very very chill very different vibe um circa circa's um with matt lindeman definitely a rising star in the field with him too and circa is really doing a lot of new stuff if you guys don't know you can parlay futures which i took a stab at three leg parlay Nice. Well, one of them included one of them included Chase Young to win the Heisman. Um, so two days later, he got in trouble. So it's a nice piece of tissue paper now. At least I was pretty bummed about that one. But uh, uh, yeah, Wednesday saw Jimmy Jimmy Vaccaro met him for the first time. Watched some college hoops, and yeah, it was just really cool, really cool experience. Yeah, man, you you hit the circuit. You hit like all the the big spots now. It's and it's kind of cool, like the dichotomy you saw between you know. South Point, the old guard guys there, you know, you got Jimmy Vaccaro and Chris Andrews running that ship there. And 
And then mm-hmm. contrast that with with Circa, like you said, with the young gun, Matt Lindemann and all the cool stuff that they're doing there. The thing I love most about Circa, um, besides the fact that they post you know the, the openers on college football on Sunday and yeah. like the, some of the market makers in Vegas. But the thing I like most about them is they offer the no on their yes, no props, which would be nice if mm-hmm. other books did that as well, because it really keeps the, the line honest. And they got to commend them for doing that because it's it's not easy to offer yes and no on some of those more difficult, you know, softer lines like that. Yeah. I mean, they had yes, no for, for the Heisman as well. And player, player, yes, no's, which was, which was pretty cool. So cool. So, um, and you're, you're behind the counter experience. I saw like a really cool photo that you took, uh, behind the scenes there as well at at the Westgate. Um, was there any other, was there anything that like kind of, you didn't expect about, about those experiences kind of talking to the odds makers. And when you're out there, is there anything that like really surprised you about their, you know, their everyday process and the stuff that you saw from them? I would say, I mean, at least the guys I talked to very, very genuine, very genuine people, you know, they wouldn't, you know, if I ask them a question, they're not gonna beat around the bush. I mean, there's, there's good, there's goods, good parts and bad parts about what they, what they do. And they weren't, you know, shy to, uh, to tell me about it. So, I mean, they're very genuine people. And like, like if you ever seen, um, if you ever seen or heard Jimmy Vaccaro on VSIN, like that's, that's exactly how he is. Like when I talk to him, he's like, you know, he called me young man or, you know, kid, <laughs> you know, anything you want, anything you want, man, young man, you know, like, so it was, it was very, very cool to see, like, they're not putting on a face when they go on TV or um, do a radio hit. It's very, very, very real. That's so. awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, that's what it seems to be like some of those, some of those guys out there, those odds makers, they're just, when it comes down to it, they're a lot like, a lot like us. They just love sports. A lot of them bet a lot <laughs> like, yeah. and, yeah. and they they just love the life and stuff. And I think you'd need to be like a certain, you have to have a certain character trait, a certain personality to really be drawn to that type of life, just because it's a lot of action. There's a lot of stop and go. And I mean, kind of like your experience with that, that, that limit bets that the respected player was putting at the Westgate, you know, you have things like that happening. And I'm sure you were there. I mean, that was like what a Monday or Tuesday when you were there with that, but can only imagine how crazy yeah. it is closer to, to NFL Sunday or, or college football Saturdays. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty relatively empty compared to what I've seen. Um, there was also this big event, um, a big auto show right next to the Westgate. And Ed made it, made it sound like there were the locals wouldn't come out because traffic was so bad, so they didn't have as big of a crowd as they usually did for for Monday night. But yeah, if you to get back to what you said, like if you like if you don't bet like on your own and you're in the betting industry, like it's like I feel like that's something you have to yeah, right. <laughs> have to be have to be be a part of. It's not it's going to help you be a better bookmaker and be a better better it's like being a, it's like being a bartender and not drinking alcohol you know what <laughs> i mean like you you just you don't have that same you can't relate to the the customer as much and you can't even like explain the product as well so i'm you got to figure that yeah. you have to you have to be in that have that mindset before you even arrive at that at that juncture in your life where you're you're an odds maker so 
Uh, that's really cool. That's a really cool experience, man. That's that was awesome how you got to go behind the counter yeah, like, and uh, do all that. So let's uh, let's let's talk about college hoops now. Obviously, you and I both love handicapping college basketball. It's my personal favorite, and I, I mean, is it your favorite? Yeah. If, you, if you had to eliminate, if you had one sport that you can handicap, which one would you would you pick? Like the others, you can never do the rest of your life. Yeah, I'd probably do college hoops. Yeah. College football would be second. Same here, but. Right now, right now, college hoops is number one for me. And as as I kind of touched on, like I'll do majority of my plays. I mean, like it'll taper down once we get to March Madness. There won't be as many plays as because the lines are so much so much better. Um, not, I would say less less volume. Yeah. My my favorite, my personal favorite week of the year to bet college hoops is the conference tournament week, but that's just because yeah. that's a lot more to do with like just the odds makers because those guys are playing like three, four, even five days in a row, and the odds makers have to post the lines with the team news. There's just so much for them to be on top of at that time of year, so you can find mm-hmm. a, real, a lot of really good edges around that. So that's historically been my my most profitable week of the of the entire calendar year in any sport is is that week. But then you're right, like I mean March Madness. Once you get into that, especially when you're getting a lot more people betting into to each game during the actual tournament. The lines really do sharpen up a lot more, but, but that's, that's not happening right now at the start of the year. Season started last oh. Tuesday. Um, we're, we're about a, almost a week in now. We haven't even had two weekends of games yet, but early trends in the 2019, 2020 college basketball season, uh, the unders, the one of the big stories so far this year, uh, the unders are 58%. You gave me this right before we started recording. They're 58% in non-overtime games, and then the unders are at, uh, 56.5%. They're hitting in all games. Uh, do, you, do you have any explanation for this one, or is it just a small small sample size still, too too small of a sample size early on? I mean, the easy answer would be the three-point line being moved back, and then the offensive rebounding uh, rule where the shot clock resets to 20 has less of an impact on on totals as as the three-point line move i mean that's that's the easy answer and then you also have when i listen i listened to a press conference of buzz williams today um just seeing if i could pick up anything on the game plan that he had for gonzaga and he said that he said that turnovers increase when people when the guys get the ball and they're not used to the line being so close to the out of bounds line where they step out of bounds. And I've seen that happen a few times in the games. I found that interesting. And I mean, you hear, you hear guys say, you hear guys say, Oh, the spacing on the floor will um, impact the guys will be able to slash the basket more. I think, I mean, guys can move, guys can move out of the three point line anyway. Like they don't need the three point line to be the perimeter of their offense. They can take a step back anyway and space the floor that way before the rules. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's, that's something, I mean, that was an argument for being an increase in scoring guys can just slash the basket a lot easier. Well, so I don't, I didn't really buy into that. So, I mean, that's the easy answer. Um, I think you'll even itself out throughout the year. My question for you is if you find teams or if you find, I guess, teams that are playing much quicker or 
Do you, do you think the over has more value? Teams that trend to the over or teams that play faster have more value to the over because maybe odds makers will set, maybe the market will set lines lower because of this of this under trend to begin the year. Or is it just too small of a sample size? So I, I personally think we could see a bit of an overreaction early on. I think a lot of these games, too, they're being played at neutral sites where there's the unfamiliar shooting background for the players. I mean, you see that during, to, to, to harken back to the conference tournament, one of my feet, you know, playing, mm-hmm. playing Missouri Valley unders and, and Arch Madness in St. Louis is like, I mean, yeah. Mark, Mark is caught up onto that, but that's a perfect example <laughs> of like the, you know, just the sight lines for the shooters being more, I guess, just more different, like different than what they're used to. I think there's a lot yeah. of that early on this year, but I think like you said, the, you know, the three point line being pushed back could be a, a factor, but in terms of like over teams, I, I really want to look into, and this is something like really to look into, I guess, before next week is, is total possessions this year compared to last year per game. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think if you're looking at a, a team that tends to play faster, looking at their, the number of possessions that they're, that they have this year compared to last year, maybe figuring it out that way, because I, I do think that there might be an overreaction here early on. So especially some of those, like you said, those faster paced teams and those teams that, you know, lend themselves to an over bet, um, or at least where the market might not be anticipating or, or, or properly understanding where, where they currently stand. I think there's something to the fact that maybe we can find some value on their overs as the season progresses early on, if that makes sense. But, yeah, but I don't know. It's 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 an interesting start to the year with the unders. I mean, I I haven't really been like just obviously if you're blindly playing the unders, you've been on every game you've been cashing so far. But it's not going to be that simple. The market is looking like it's adjusting. I mean, you're seeing the total drop in in a lot of major yeah. games, especially these these neutral court games. So, yeah, exactly. I've I've been looking into a few teams that are playing faster and slower uh this year if you want to get into that right now yeah no yeah let's, let's go right into a few teams yeah it's perfect actionable stuff is what it's all about yeah so especially teams that have had a coaching change or new coaches that maybe you know the market market goes off ken palm we know that right so are there is there a coaching change or new coaching philosophies that maybe ken palm hasn't you know, put into his numbers like a coach that has never coached in college before or, you know, like um, what's his name from coming from the NBA to coach Michigan. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Juwan Howard. Yeah. Penny, Juwan Howard and um, the Vanderbilt coach. I can't think of his name. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse. So you have those three guys coming from the NBA are going to play much faster. I think those are kind of picked up on right now um but maybe some other teams like smaller schools that are changing their tempo much faster that i've come across are sienna they play tonight against harvard um so sienna unc Asheville is another one st louis is a historically slow team they're playing much faster they're three and oh to the over so far uh, Michigan, as I mentioned with with Juwan Howard, St. Louis plays on Sunday, so that's maybe one that's actionable. They play Xavier. Wait, no, is that Missouri State plays Xavier? 
St. Louis plays who? Let me look it up real quick. Seton Hall, that's who it was. Oh, so yeah. they play Seton Hall on Sunday, and Seton Hall goes fast. So that's one that Ken Palm has, 73-66. I'll be probably looking to play over 140 on that one. So uh, teams that are playing slow was Missouri State. That was one of the teams that was playing slow, and they play Xavier this weekend. So that was – I got those two mixed up. But, yeah, other teams that were playing slow, really slow, this is a team that we've seen on – yes, last night I bet under 131. I think it closed at 125 is Wyoming. So Wyoming plays really slow. They have one guy, Hunter Maladano. He's used on like – Last time I checked, he was used on, like, the seventh highest amount of possessions in the whole, out of the whole, you know, 353 teams. He's used on the highest amount of possessions. But if you have, you know, a guy that can guard him, like, they scored they scored 32 points against South Carolina. They scored 54. They haven't scored above 55 points, I don't think, in their three games. And they play, they play, uh, Oregon State at home this weekend. So that's one I'll definitely go under. And a team that we talked about before was Presbyterian. I know you got more on the the big south there. What do yeah. you got? Yeah, yeah. So the more more or less teams, not as much over-unders, but just um in terms of teams I'm looking to play on early in the year. Um uh, I'm really looking and last year it was Drake, but early on here I think Longwood might be the potential official doggy juice college basketball team of the year. At least it has the potential to be, it's a little early to, to christen them as, as, as Drake's so last mm-hmm. year's Drake, but, but uh, Longwood's a team I'm really looking to play on. They have an eccentric coach, Griff Aldridge. This is second year coaching the team. Uh, last year they won 16 games. They hadn't won more than 12 in a season for over a decade. And, and they hadn't won more. I think they won more than 12 just once uh, since they joined division one 15 years ago, but uh, really strong backcourt. And this is another team I could, you know, could see looking to play more overs, although it, it kind of started out last year, but then they love to put up threes um, that super strong backcourt in the big South. So I, I think that the market's really slow to them. And you were telling me when we were talking before, yeah, I, I bet them tonight, I got them at, at four and a half. You said that there was some steam um, on them to push them up like five and a half or six. And then the other night it was the same deal. <clears throat> I, I bet them at, at 12, 12 and a half. And I think it, they ended up closing a couple points higher and they, they blew out their opponents. So it's one of those short, might be one of those short lived things, but Longwood definitely a big South team. I'm looking to play on early in the year. And then another one you already mentioned for the big South Presbyterian. Uh, it's all about Corey Hightower for them. He's absolute beast. This guy, he's, he's their he's not their entire offense, but their offense definitely runs through him. He's super athletic and get his own shot. He's a great passer. And last year he shot over 35, 36% from, from behind the arc. So I think he's, he's improved his shot this year. I think he's got, he's going to help stretch the floor for them as well. So what, the ball is going to be in his hands a lot. And when that happens, good things are going to happen for Presbyterian. I know they already covered uh, a few nights ago, so it could be a short lived thing trying to bet on these teams early on this year against the spread while the market catches up on mm-hmm. them. But those are two smaller conference teams that have caught my eye early on. Yeah. I'll, I'll add one more that I just have, uh, was on Wednesday, I think it was. This is a team in the Northeast Conference, way up there, the Bryant Bulldogs. 
So this is this is a team that has they 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 play fast. They play good perimeter defense. They shoot okay from deep. They shoot a lot of threes. So they're twenty second in three point attempt to field goal attempt. Um, if you use Ken Palm, twenty second in that category. They've lost by two to Brown, which is a uh, you know move up in Ivy League. They lost by two to Rutgers. They lost by one to Cornell, and they beat St. Peter's by, what is that, 25, and they were dogging that game. They got a non, they got a, like a no-line game on tomorrow on Friday, and then they go to Niagara on Monday. So this is a team that's improved from when they started the year 325 on Ken Palm. Now they're up to 281. So this is a team that, you know, they still suck. <laughs> <It's not laughs> right? So people aren't going to pay attention to them. But if you, if you pay attention to them, you know, odds makers aren't going to go crazy over, you know, some, some school most people haven't even heard of. So I think this could be like an under the radar type of team for, for a little bit longer, I think. Cause their next, their next four opponents are all 300 or higher on Ken Palm. So they should be able to, Get some value there, Brian I think. Bulldogs. And kind of to that end, you were talking about you know team, obviously Bryant's the perfect example, outperforming market expectations so far. Uh, shout out to the Three Man Weave podcast. They they posted uh, something on Twitter yesterday with the biggest movers by rank on Ken Palm since his initial rankings for mm-hmm. the season. And the five teams that have moved up the most so far this year, number one, Winthrop, they've moved up 48 points on power rating. Um, William & Mary, 44. Evansville, 39. Nichols State 37 and Siena is 35. And then the, the, the five worst teams, the five worst movers uh, since Ken Palm's initial rankings are uh, University of Texas San Antonio, minus 58, Charleston Southern, minus 56, Seattle, minus 47, St. Bonnie's, minus 38, and Fred Hoiberg's Nebraska, minus 37, who I'm still, I, I still think they need a little bit of time in Nebraska to kind of sort things out there. He's got a lot of uh, transfers, graduate transfers there. So I, I tweeted out this morning when I was looking to potentially bet them this afternoon when lines get posted for Friday's game. And you can't tell me that they're going to keep shooting 21% from deep. Right. You know, this team, this team is – they're not good. They're very inexperienced, obviously. But – they play decent other than the fact that they can't shoot through two or three games, however much they've played. So, I mean, they got to, they got to get some positive regression in that front and then, but people have really soured on them. So I, I agree. I think that's a, a, a perfect example of like a market overreaction early on. It's, and to kind of go along with what you're saying about new coaches coming in and shifting styles. He obviously runs that crazy fast off tempo. Get, shoot puts up a lot of threes that style and it's going to take a little while for these players to all gel together like i said they're all a lot of uh graduate transfers in that but that's kind of like his bread and butter is his mo and his recruiting philosophy so i think it's just going to mm-hmm. take some time and, and like to that end i think overs as well with nebraska just looking at the sheer amount of three pointers that they put up and, and and they also can't rebound the ball worth a lick that's usually the case with these teams they're undersized um and so there's a lot of you know second chance points for their opponents so that, that could be a good team to look on playing over. I mean, you're getting burned if you're playing their overs early on. 
so far this year, but it's it's the pendulum's going to shift at at some point with this team where there's going they're going to be a buy on team. Yeah, I think so. So I guess like one other thing I wanted to really quickly touch on uh, on this podcast is, or this interview is kind of the the notion of because I'm obviously as as betters the holy grail for us is is chasing after closing line value or CLV and especially in more efficient markets it makes sense like in the NFL your CLV is worth a lot more than it is in an early college basketball game uh, when these mm-hmm. wildly volatile uh, markets. So I think we should at least touch on that just because I CLV we're, we're obviously after it and you and I have, you know, we, we like getting after these games early and those people who are able to get after um, at, at the books who post the lines early on uh, people who are able to get after those and get after those numbers early are rewarded with a lot of CLV at this time of year. But at the same time, it's just such a volatile and inefficient betting market in college hoops early on. I know you wrote a piece for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News about how handicapping or so odds makers are just and handicappers too, I guess, are are just wary of college basketball totals and, and odds makers are pretty much you know, admitting that they're vulnerable to them early on. And obviously the, the, the betting limits are smaller on these and stuff or yeah. more serious betters, but but um I just think it's it's worth noting that that CLV it's not worth as much as it, as it is in, in even in college football um, as it is you know, early on in the year right now in college basketball. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that one at all, or just like kind of just explained the topic already there. No, I mean, you definitely hit the head, like hit the nail on the head. Cause there's a team we, I, I don't think we went to, to depth on, but Mississippi Valley state, which yeah. last time I checked was, ranked last in Ken Palm. I mean, this team plays like, like a high school YMCA type defense and their totals. Seriously, people are starting to catch on their total. I think last game moved 10 points to the over. It did. Yeah. And it's going, it's going all the way up to like 160, 161, which is a ton of points, but their last game, I actually watched it against West, Western Michigan. So <laughs> I actually watched this game. So what happened is they actually started to play a lot slower. And I was a little bit worried because I did bet the over early, I think, at 153. I was a little bit worried that – I think I texted you that night. Yeah. I was a little bit worried that they were playing slower. And the, the over still got there, but now they've had a week off – it gives them chance maybe to, you know, rethink things and do we really want to play this style? Like they're scoring, they're hitting, you know, 70, 65, 75. I think they scored 80 points against Western. Do we really want to play like this? You know, it's not that effective. So I'd be a little, I'd be a little bit hesitant on that. And like if you if you get to if you get to I don't know what what's do you have a do you have a philosophy on um on middling like for yes. for for Mississippi Valley State because the line has moved so much and so many people are going to bet the over if you bet the over right at open and then bet the under you know right at close that could be profitable but I don't I don't middle as much do you have do you have a middling philosophy? I do have a middling philosophy. First, I, I have a thoughts on that um, because that, that also brings up the interesting conundrum of handicapping versus just market, you know, just playing the betting market. 
And I think mm-hmm. that's a perfect example of that because I, I agree with you that Mississippi, Mississippi Valley State um, early on, and thanks for that, by the way, you, you alerted me when that was available at 153. And I got on that and ended up closing 163 and, you know, had that 10 point yeah. there. But what, what alarmed to me is I was, you know, scouring Twitter up as I usually do for information, especially leading up to game times. And, and I saw a bunch of touts out in the, in the sports betting world touting how they, you should be playing the over at 163. And, you know, I saw that at a bunch of places and that was a cause for concern for me because obviously the books out on this team playing their overs. And when you have guys giving out an over already after it had already been moved 10 points from the opener. So, you know, when you see something like that, you know that the book's out on this team. But to that point, Mm -hmm. moving forward, if you can count on that, that public, you know, just not even public, but just the betting market in general attacking their over. I mean, how high can the odds makers set their overs or their totals moving forward, knowing that everyone's they're just going to get hammered on the over? There's going to come that point where the pendulum shifts. But at the same time, even though as handicappers, we think that, you know, the, the book's up on this team and maybe if anything, like you said, they have a week off. Maybe we should be looking to play their unders now. If anything, maybe the, you know, it's just gone too far. From the handicapping's perspective, that's a, that's a good angle. I, I agree with that. But from a market, a betting market standpoint, still attacking that opening over, knowing that there's those guys who are giving out the the over after it's moved ten points are going to do that, and and getting ahead of a number to to get to open up a middle, I think is still a move with that team. So I'm still going to be looking. Even if I disagree with the number myself, I might still be looking. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but still maybe take an early position on the Mississippi Valley State over in their next game, just knowing that you're going to see that influx of money moving the total, yeah. or at least the strong likelihood of that happening. But in terms of of actual middles, I my personal philosophy is I, I don't middle, I don't make any bet unless it's plus EV. But for middling, I, I'll, I'll look to do it if I or I'm more prone to do it if it's a negative EV or not a plus EV bet, if my initial position is stronger than I intended it to be. So if I made the initial position with the intention to get a middle, so like the Mississippi Valley State over being the perfect example, you know, maybe I would make a bet with the intention to open up a middle and bet back. That, that's when I would do it. But otherwise, you know, I, I like this weekend in college football, I have Texas or I have Iowa State plus three um, and then against Texas on the, the game of the year line. And I have... Um, it's another college game that I have a pretty large middle on, but I'll mention it later in the pod. But but Texas, I actually like it plus three this week on, on their own. So I have I don't have a crazy position on the on the on Iowa State a plus three from the game of the year, but I'm still going to play back. In that situation, I play back the full. So I, I have an equal position on either side. But if I didn't think that there was value on Texas or slight value, it's not a crazy play by any means. But like if I didn't think that there was value on Texas this week, but if you know I had like a unit with on Iowa State with that big of a of a middle, I usually look to play back if I'm going to play back like just like a small percentage of it, like twenty five to to thirty three percent, like a quarter to a third of the initial position is usually what I like to do. But it completely depends on on circumstance and, and what my initial position is. So, yeah, sorry that was long winded, but that's uh, no, I totally agree. I, I I don't. I think I mentioned I did have a few LSU games the year lines. Um, in a similar situation, but I, I really haven't ever middled or tried or attempted to middle. I should say, maybe I did in game a few times, but not on college basketball is yeah, college basketball, yeah. very much at all. 
and there's just like a, a larger range of outcomes, I guess, in college basketball too. I mean, another example is this week. I know in Auburn and Georgia for, for college football, that, that total opened to like 45 and a half in that game. And it, it cratered down to 40 and a half where it's sitting right now. And a lot of the guys that get on that, got on that play early with the 45 and a half are wondering what to do right now that it's 40 and a half. Do they play back, you know, their full bets on the 40 and a half and just hope for that middle, or do they do a partial position on it? And I think that depends a lot on how confident obviously you are in, in the current market line, you know, that's a little probably in theory more sharp than it was at the opener. So I, I don't know. I, I'm usually a proponent of sticking to your guns though. And, and uh, holding your, your position because obviously there's a great value. That, that's a great. I would love to have one of those under forty-five and a half tickets right now myself. I don't have one. But, mm-hmm. uh, That'd be nice. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, it's it's good food for thought, and uh, it's something we could definitely expand upon uh, in future podcasts here as we talk more about college hoops. But um, I think that's gonna do it. Do you have any other closing thoughts before uh, before we get going, or? No, I think that's about it. Uh, I think uh, Harvard is a team that I've bet against. They're really banged up right now. I think uh, people are starting to catch on to how banged up they are, but they're going to get healthy. They're going to be a team to watch come March. I think New Mexico State is in that boat too. Very talented. Their point guard, A.J. Harris, is out right now. They had another starter out. They just lost to UTEP, laying points on the row. They lost outright. So there'll be teams to to remember now, maybe fade right now, but when they're going to get healthy, they're going to be – those two teams really are going to be pretty good. That's good to note. Yeah, that's all about being involved at the right time in the market. Those are two good ones to uh, to jot down. So, all right, man. Yeah, thanks for that. You got got some good actionable stuff for the listeners there. Um, and despite, what was that Sunday game you, you said again to look at the over on the opener? Um, I think you said it was – not Seton Hall, or was it? Was it Xavier? No, it was, it was Seton Hall versus um, another fast-paced team. St. Louis. St. Louis, thank you. Yeah. St. Louis is playing a lot faster. And then Missouri State is playing slower, and they play They play uh, Xavier. I, get, I, always, I always get Xavier and Seton Hall mixed up. Really? I always – like I, I kinda it's always those two teams I <laughs> I always get them mixed up. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of see where you're coming from there. I don't know, but either way, you, you might get them, don't get them mixed up when you're when you're making your bets for Sunday though. <laughs> I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to the best of us, man. We all make that mistake once or twice. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll get you back on here. Uh, hopefully really soon, hopefully the next week. So appreciate you coming on, man. Yep. All right, take care. Thanks for having me. See ya. See ya. Thank you very much, Joe. You can all follow Joe on Twitter at RogersBC, and that's Rogers with a D. All right, let's get to some best bets in college football week 12 and NFL week 11. All right, starting with college football, I'm going to be a little more quick with the analysis today, but I do have plenty of plays here for you all. I mentioned um, on my interview with Joe, but I have Iowa State at plus three this weekend against Texas on the preseason game of the year Lions. That spread is Iowa State minus seven now, so I have a nice 10-point cushion there. Um, But I do think that there is a nice tick of value on Texas as an underdog catching a full touchdown here in this spot. 
Tom Herman is an underdog. Has anyone heard about that? I have that one lined at five and a half, about exactly 5.5 on my stuff. So I have played back my position, uh, my plus three Iowa State position. I'm hoping for that nice little middle. Otherwise, uh, for everybody else, I'd recommend a smaller play on the Longhorns at plus seven. And then the other game this week from Game of the Year Alliance that I have is Auburn plus seven and a half against Georgia. I know none of you care because most of you don't have that ticket from before the season, but I do. Uh, but this is a spot where I'm not going to be middling at all because I actually like Auburn at plus three here. If you can shop around, I'm seeing a lot of two and a halves and threes, but I have locked in three myself. I, I do think that Auburn's a solid bet in this game at that price. They're coming off their bye week. Um, I wrote about this one for Bet Chicago, but Indiana News, so be sure to to read that and some of the reasoning behind it. And even though I do have some of that preseason plus seven and a half, I did add a bit more of Auburn at plus three in this one. And the total in that game's dropped. It was 45 and a half on the opener. People who got to it early, uh, I was unfortunately not one of those. They they are enjoying a nice position right now because the total's down to 40 and a half in that one. These teams have been playing into the unders. Uh, the recent matchups, and it makes a lot of sense, uh, the under in this game. I don't think Georgia's given up more than 16 points all year. So... Um, yeah, and that's that game. There's not a ton of value. I mean, I have Georgia's at the slight favorite in that, but I think that's more that should be more like a pick 'em game, I believe, instead of Georgia laying the three. <laughs> Ugly dog UCLA plus 21 against Utah. Both teams coming off their bye. UCLA, I was on them at the start of the year, and they were they were just really shitty at the start of the year, but they have really come on the past few games, and I've, I've been. I'm back to playing on them. I still think the betting market is not caught up on this team. Uh, Joshua Kelly's back in the backfield. He's gone over 100 rushing yards in every game since he returned. And this team's just gaining momentum after that terrible start to the season. They have more confidence. They've had more time to learn the system and, and assimilate themselves and figure their shit out. And, and another big reason why this team's figuring the shit out is because of DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the, the quarterback, he had a dreadful start to the year, but he's finally rounding into form as well. This team has momentum. They've won three straight. Like I said, both teams off a bye. So I wouldn't even mind sprinkling a little money line on this, but I think it's a, it, you know just a little because I'm not expecting them to win the game. I have the game lined at around 16 and a half. Um, but there's really solid value in UCLA on this spot against Utah on the road. So give me the Bruins catching three touchdowns, plus 21. <laughs> Notre Dame laying only a touchdown against Navy. Um, the Irish did lose one of their top offensive linemen last week. That's a bit of a worry, but this is a spot where they should not be laying only a touchdown here. I think that this, the market's gone a little too far. And I understand this is a Navy game. They like to slow the game down. You might, you know, you're going to see probably a lot less offensive plays being called by Notre Dame, which makes sense. These games do tend to be closer, but the market's moved way too far in one direction in this one. So I do like Notre Dame. If you can find just a seven, them laying seven points. I am seeing plenty of those in the marketplace uh, tonight on Thursday night as I record this. And it's another spot where I think Clay Brooks, the Notre Dame receiver, I think nobody on Navy really is going to be able to match up to that guy. And and I really do think that, that Notre Dame is a good look in this spot, even though, you know, it's it will be slower. Navy's going to really, really slow it down. And interestingly enough, these teams have played, this is the 93rd straight time these two teams have faced off against each other. So uh, it's a classic rivalry, but I do think that the Irish are... A nice little value play in this spot. Sticking in Indiana, Indiana Hoosiers, plus 14 and a half. It's a classic letdown spot for Penn State. And, but my numbers like this one, too. I really think that the, the Hoosiers are a good team to play on this week. 
uh, against Penn State. Penn State obviously lost against Minnesota last week, and on the podcast that was our top college football play, Minnesota catching the seven points against Penn State. I think this is a letdown spot for the Nittany Lions in Indiana. This market's still a little slow on this, and this team's really been turning things around this year, and the Indiana program in general uh, is definitely a buy-on program if you're going to buy on a football program. And courtesy of Eric Dewberry, my coworker over at Bet Chicago Bet Indiana News, the Hoosiers have only lost three uh, of 12 road conference games by double digits under head coach Tom Allen. Temple plus six. Uh, this one actually looks like it's hit its point of resistance in the market. It's down to five in most places now, but I still like it there. Anything over four is a good look in that game. You get four and a half or better, really, for, for normal position. Less of it if it gets down to three and a half. Uh, Temple, they're, they're playing Tulane this week, and I love Tulane. I've loved Tulane this year. I've made money betting on them against the spread, but this line's just too inflated. I have it at 1.3 on my stuff, so solid value on anything at three and a half or above, really a three or above on Temple. Smaller position on the Michigan Wolverines laying less than two touchdowns. Really hate laying points here, especially in a in the in-state rivalry spot, especially when D'Antonio has his – he looks like he's a dead man walking over in East Lansing right now, but um, you know that he's really, this is like his last chance you know, if he, to stick around this game, maybe to, to keep his job or at least keep people from calling for his head over in East Lansing. But um, I, I really think this is power. Michigan could just blow him out of the water. And Michigan State – Honestly, these are two teams like trending in the exact opposite direction. That's the best way to put it. And honestly, Michigan State, I mean, they just haven't lived up to expectations or even close to it this year. And they've just been such a disappointing team. I know our pal Danimal has been anti-Sparty all season long. So shout out to him for that. I think this is a spot where you are in a pretty good position if you get Michigan laying 13 and a half or better here. Iowa versus Minnesota. It's a game I will be at this weekend. I was really hoping that this one would come out closer to a pick'em, because obviously Minnesota's coming off that huge win against Penn State last week. Um, the matchup between two ranked teams. It was such a big get-up effort. Those fans all showed up, and I loved it. You know, we cashed our doggy juice best bet on, on Minnesota last week. Cashed on the money line last week, and I was really hoping after Iowa lost to Wisconsin too that you know maybe it, maybe it would have been better if Iowa didn't cover that game, but. And, and got blown out by Wisconsin, but I was hoping that there'd be a little bit of a market overreaction on Minnesota and maybe find this game closer to a pick so I could bet on my Hawkeyes. And I'm going to be at that game with uh, a few of my buddies this weekend. Shout out to Doyle's Bachelor Party. So I, I was really hoping to actually bet on a game that I would be attending. And I did. I At the opener, Iowa was minus 2.5, minus 105. I found one of those just for a half unit because I really was hoping for a pick or minus 1 really to get involved for anything serious. But... If you can find less than a field goal, I think the Hawkeyes are all right. I have them favored in this game, but just a tick over a field goal. So it's really not much to work with there. But I do think that the Hawkeyes, you know, if you can see a little bit of public money on Minnesota, remember what they saw last week, undefeated, playing Iowa. I think if this line ticks back down, the, the Hawkeyes actually are a good play at anything less than a field goal for small and uh, for something more serious if it gets down to a pick em. Other than that, um, there's not too much else. In terms of LSU, I'm actually not looking to fade LSU this week. The market is clearly pricing in the letdown spot after beating Alabama. That is factored into the line, ladies and gentlemen. If anything, I'm actually looking to play on LSU this week, laying three touchdowns, laying 21. 
uh, against Mississippi. I don't think I'm going to play them. I, I may end up getting into play on them. I need to read more into like you know, how focused the team is and stuff. It's something to pay attention to because it's the classic letdown spot. But people are betting on that right now. The betting market has that completely factored into the line. So if you're betting Mississippi at, at 21, thinking that you're like playing that angle, you are playing that the angle's already factored into the number. So my plan of attack for LSU is actually maybe to look to bet them this week, but play against them next week when they play at home against Arkansas. That line's probably going to be really inflated itself. And Arkansas looking for a new coach. There might be uh, some guys trying to play for position. There's there's a lot of angles in that game that I like that I'll get to next week. But uh, that that's my plan of attack with LSU right now. I'm not gonna end up fading them this week um, at all in that in that game. That line is, if anything, it's it's LSU or pass in that game for me. All right, before I move on to the NFL for Week 11 thoughts, let's hear what our pal Danimal has to say about this week's card. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, the Danimal. Week 11. Week 11. It's flying by. Can't believe it's almost over. But I'm not going to say that. It's not almost over. Still have plenty of time to win. Last week, 5-3. and three. However, I'm protesting two of the games. I gave you the Lions plus two and a half. And then Stafford died on me, so that shouldn't count, even though they almost tied the game at the end. Then ASU over USC, and then their quarterback decided not to play, and they almost won. So, in my mind, those don't count. Let's move on. Michigan State, Michigan, over 44. It's my totals guy. It's sad. I can't even get the juice to blind tail me. It's pathetic. Max bet, all in. Michigan puts up 35. Wazoo, minus 11 over Stanford. No Costello. There are two best players in the secondary out. Wazoo is going to throw all over them. And Stanford put up like 12 points against Colorado, who's probably the worst defense in the pack. Wazoo wins this game by two touchdowns easy. Bama minus 17.5 over Mississippi State. This line has fallen way too far. Honestly, I don't even care if Tua plays. Saban has awful numbers after a loss, which is rare. I just, this is not enough points. Bama wins this by 25-30. Iowa State, minus seven at home versus Texas. I don't think Texas is that good. I know the underdog whole thing with that. I don't care. Texas' defense, not that good. It's going to be a shootout. I don't think they keep up with Iowa State. Iowa State, minus seven at home. Lastly, Hawaii, minus seven at UNLV. This hinges a lot more on SDSU game on Friday night um, as Hawaii has a chance for the conference. They could get in first place if they win and have a loss by SDSU or Fresno. I don't know, but that game matters. Look it up. Google it. Nonetheless, Hawaii off the Big Island, but Vegas, they don't have fans. Hawaii minus seven at UNLV. NFL, Jags plus three at the Colts. Colts are disaster. Hoyer stinks. He is so bad. And Nick Foles is back. I think the Jags take off. Not saying Gardner wasn't that good, but he kind of wasn't that good for the full game. Always had these late-game heroics. Give me Nick Foles. Give me three points. Give me the Jags. Arizona Cardinals plus 10 against the Niners. I know the Niners just lost their first game. I think they were exposed. Injuries did not help, but Jimmy G... Maybe he's not the best passer when it matters. Pressure in his face? He was awful. He should have had 10 interceptions. No Kittle again. Emmanuel Sanders might not play. 
give me the cards plus 10 worst case you have a backdoor possibility in this game as i think the niners are going to have tough time scoring and lastly texas and the ravens over 49.5 i think the texans are going to score we all know the ravens score at will i see no way this game sees under 50 no way pound pound this over texans ravens 49 and a half 50 it doesn't even matter that's it hopefully the juice is healing up danimal out all right thank you danimal that healing that he's referring to is my right foot i messed it up last week it's been kind of a recurring issue for me i'm going to see a doc tomorrow so we'll see how that goes see how well i'll be able to walk when i'm in iowa city this weekend for that bachelor party that's going to be an interesting weekend to say the least but whatever we'll see what happens there but appreciate the the thoughts there danimal and good luck with your bets uh, in terms of my bets this weekend and and Week 11 NFL, there's not a whole lot this week, but the Bears and Rams under on Sunday night football. I got it at 41.5 and, and 41. It has come down. I haven't seen 40s now. Anything in the 40s is good for an investment here. Uh, I, I, would, I would do less at, at the current number because 41 actually is a pretty key number in NFL totals. So if you're kind of late to the party, I wouldn't I wouldn't go with, with a full unit investment, but maybe it'll tick back up. Who knows? But um, a lot of reasons to like this one. Uh, going under the, the main reason being the two quarterbacks involved obviously everybody here in Chicago knows the story with Mitch Trubisky I'm not gonna beat a dead horse with that one we've been on the Trubisky fade train since before the season started here on the Doggy Juice podcast so uh, that's you know, no new news to the listeners here that have been paying attention but Jared Goff the Rams quarterback what the hell I mean that that's another situation because he just got paid before this season started and the California boy is really struggling this year. The the book's out on Goff, it appears. Uh, teams have figured him out. He's just a prototypical 7-on-7 seven seven quarterback. He looks great when, when there's less pressure and he has extra time to, to look for his receivers and throw. But teams are making – they figured him out this year. Teams are making him play faster. They're understanding that they can afford to be more aggressive in getting after him. I think that Bill Belichick really provided the blueprint on how to attack the Rams and off um, since the you know, in the Super Bowl and since that game, the the Rams are five and five straight up since the Super Bowl last year, and, and Goff has just looked like uh, just not the same player. And, and another reason for that is their offensive line is just decimated. Um, and honestly, they, they it just teams have figured that about, and it, it's one of those spots where McVeigh's not able to to hide Goff's shortcomings anymore, and and it's, it's just a tough spot. And and in terms of these two teams, also that there's a lot of trends. If you're a trends guy that support the under here, um, the total's gone under in, in 11 of the Bears' last 14 games with an average combined score of 33 and a half. And uh, under betters have cashed in four of the Rams' last five games and in six of their last eight. And then, of course, if you want to look inside the NFC North, the under has come through in four of the Rams' last five games against NFC, NFC North opponents. So. A lot of reasons to like the under this week. The market has agreed with that move. It has brought it down, so there's not as much value on that number. Really don't want to get involved in anything in the 30s on that one, uh, on the under. But uh, I think it's a good look, especially when you look at last year's game, even though it was in Chicago. These two teams played to a very low-scoring game as well. So that's that's a good one right there. Um, the Eagles, plus 3.5. I'm not going crazy on this one because the Patriots off a of bye. Like, good luck getting in front of that buzz train. But got this game lined at 2. Patriots are the better team, but when you factor in home field and the Eagles are coming off their bye week too, fans will be going nuts. 
and they've had extra time to prepare for this. Peterson's a good coach. I think if you get over a field goal here, the Eagles are a worthy add to your NFL portfolio this weekend, although you do have to realize what you're going up against to temper your betting accordingly. The Jets, the Jets are a terrific teaser candidate this week. If you could tease them up to plus seven and a half, low-scoring game. you got Dwayne Haskins on the other side of the field. You really expect Dwayne Haskins to win with a margin. I mean, he could, but you let me bet that a hundred times. You know, I'm, I'm going to do that. So the Jets are a, a fantastic teaser option this week. The issue is there's really no one to tease them with uh, value-wise. You don't want to tease through non-key numbers. You're just giving away the math a- edge. And there really is not too much point spread value on my stuff. So there's really just no other teaser option. So if you have an open teaser, the Jets are perfect for that this week. If you have uh, an open teaser with a team that already came through, put the Jets in there to, to bring home that second leg. You could tease them up through the key numbers of 3-7. and seven. If they lose the game by a touchdown to Dwayne Haskins and the Redskins, you still cover that leg of the teaser. But I do like the Jets here. Solid bet at plus 1.5. We were on them last week, and that's a reason that's a reason to bet them this week. But limited home field advantage. This line's almost essentially saying that these are two equal teams. And when you look at the quarterbacks, give me Sam Darnold over Dwayne Haskins any day of the week. Washington is off a bye, which kind of tempers things a little bit. So I'm not. I just have it half unit right now at plus one and a half. I would go full unit for sure at a full field goal, but I don't think we're going to see that. I think we might end up seeing this line tick uh, closer to a pick them before before the game starts up. So I would, I would probably lock in a bit of a position on the Jets at plus one and a half right now if you, if you can do it. Or on the money line, it's another, it's another good way to go if you can find just a little bit of a plus, place, a plus price on the money line. That's a good way to look too. But otherwise, there's not too much in the NFL. The lines are once again really sharp this week. There aren't many games on the board that are offering too much value. Uh, so the derivative and prop markets are where you're going to find most of your betting value in the NFL this week. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. If there are any changes, and I I do end up finding some value in the NFL, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. We'll have that information and best bets on there this weekend. And as always, subscribe on, on iTunes. You can also listen on SoundCloud. And if you are listening, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes so we can let those Apple folks know that the Doggy Juice Pod is moving up the ratings boards. I would really appreciate that. But other than that, hope everyone has a great weekend. Good luck with your bets, and I'll be back next week. Doggy Juice out.